0: I only dabbled in that for a little while. I would say maybe like a year Mm -hmm. that I went down that road and I absolutely hated it. Yeah. I I hated the way that I felt about myself. I didn't feel, I didn't feel like, I didn't feel good about myself. I felt really bad about myself. Mm -hmm. I felt a lot of shame and guilt. And like, so I'd, I'd go to a party and like, I'd get drunk and have fun or whatever. And then the next morning I'd wake up with this like crushing weight of, of guilt, of you know, of shame. Like, oh, I'm a, I'm such a bad person, and I don't, I don't want to feel this anymore. And I, I hated it so bad, but it was so hard to leave because it felt like that was what was my world.
1: Another episode of the Cultural Hall. This one has a personal connection for me. I'm visiting with an old friend from high school. It's different. This episode is so great, but so very different from the typical thing that we do here in the Cultural Hall. I hope that you enjoy it. I hope that you uh, consume it. I hope that you share it. I hope that it brings joy to your life, as it did for me. Uh, There's tons to unpack within this episode, so I hope that you'll enjoy that. Also, coming up uh, next week, two massive huge, big deals uh, for the cultural hall. So I hope that you will be sure to subscribe if you have not yet. So you do not miss those episodes. Our next is an articles of news that will blow your mind. You never thought it was going to happen. Am I being hyperbolic? No, I'm not. I'm just being honest. Uh, And then uh, next Friday's episode, uh, maybe a tearjerker might. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to do to you, um, but a serious and somber episode of the Cultural Hall. That's what you have to look forward to. Oh, that and this episode of the Cultural Hall. It's time for another episode of the Cultural Hall and excited to have this conversation. It's different than probably most of the conversations we've had here in the Cultural Hall. Maybe part of that is um, some of the topics that we get into, uh, but also about perception. And I think that's kind of an interesting onboard for this whole conversation. I'm uh, joined by an old friend of mine. She's not old, but we've known each other for a couple of decades, which sounds so old when I say it yeah. like that. Uh, my friend Nikki, I call her Nikki Caps, And I, I again, uh, I think I've asked you this a hundred times before, but I don't know how to pronounce your now married last name.
0: It's Soulier.
1: Soulier. Yeah. yeah. And I would have said Soulier. So I was close. Yeah. Uh, but Nikki and I, we went to high school together. And the reason why I feel like this is an episode about perception is, um, you and I, we were friends, but, but we weren't like, Hey, Nikki, what are you doing this weekend? Same thing we do every weekend, Richie, we're hanging out. In fact, back then I would have been Rick. Um, right. But but we weren't those kind of friends. And so from the outside, like looking at you, looking at your life, the, you know, the, the things that you were doing in high school, the cheer, the, you know, sort of the, if we can be cliche about talking about high school experiences, the popular kid group, uh, it was the perception on my end that you just sort of had everything together. Man, what a charmed, enchanted life. Oh, wow. And so, yeah. yeah. And so when you said, hey, I, let's let's finally do this episode that you've been talking to me about. Because the conversion story was sort of where I was interested. You, yeah. Um, you joined uh, in high school, joined the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or shortly thereafter. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was sort of the story that I was into. And then you said, oh, but there's more. (laughs) And then you listed listed a lot of things. And I said, wow, I had no idea. So welcome to the cultural hall. Yeah,
0: thank you. And sorry for dumping that on you and saying, you know, well, what about this and this? And Mm -hmm. I just was thinking, you know, there's so much more to the story that I, that might be helpful for sure. other people to sure. hear, but I didn't end up joining the church. It was in the middle of my senior year.
1: Okay. I knew so. that, I knew that that was going on and I couldn't remember if it wasn't like right. the baptism until right after or. Yeah. It
0: was like right in the middle.
1: Yeah. What, what with January. it being almost 23 years now, yeah. the memories sort of get a little, uh, a little fadey. Totally. So uh, maybe we pick up there. Tell okay. me, tell me about the conversion story. Family members, anyone, members of the church, were you born and raised in Utah? That kind okay. of stuff.
0: Okay. So um, I was born in Texas and then I moved to New Mexico and um, my parents were divorced. My mom uh, didn't want to keep living and it was Las Cruces, New Mexico. And I had um, been doing a report on the state of Utah And it was just totally random. We had to pick a state and that was the state that I chose. And I thought uh, it was really beautiful. So when my mom said she wanted to move, I was Uh like, well, let's go to Utah. Like (laughs) I just learned about it and it sounds awesome.
1: Mom, the state bird is, you're like getting all the, you know, demographic stuff about it. Okay.
0: And um, so she applied for a job at Dillard's in Fashion Place and got a manager position there. And so, you know, next thing you know we're here in Utah, and um, I had never heard of the church or Mormon or LDS. Like I didn't know absolutely nothing about it. And so after I moved here, I think the first thing that I noticed was um, a ring that all my friends were wearing, oh. or just like all the kids at school were wearing the same ring. And I was like, "What is this ring that everyone's wearing?" <laughs> and it and was why the... does it
1: turn their finger? Green Green. when they take it off. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So um, it was the CTR ring. And um, so that was like my first introduction to the church was someone telling me, oh, it means choose the right. And then...
1: Pause real quick. So is family religious, like in Texas or in New Mexico? Okay. You belong to a faith? So
0: my parents, um, they were kind of religious, but we didn't go to church. Right. And um, that was because my mom was Catholic. And her parents were really active Catholic and she was raised um, Catholic and then my dad was Baptist and his dad was the preacher and like ran mm. ran the church. And so when my mom and dad got together it was kinda like, Well, which one are we gonna do, Baptist or Catholic? Mm-hmm. And so they just didn't either. Right. And sometimes
1: it's the easier road if you yeah, just don't choose a road, sure.
0: Yeah, so they just kinda opted to not really go into either one. Um but I always felt um, drawn to things of um, like a religious nature.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And my mom did take me a few times, and I always loved it. And like growing up, I would have friends that would take me to their churches, just like non-denominational, like Christian mm-hmm. churches. And I always loved how I felt there. And um, so when I was eight years old, I, well, I started reading the Bible and um, just on my own and read about how the Savior was baptized. And um, I went to my mom and I said, you know, I want to get baptized. I want to be like Jesus. And um, I love how my mom supported me, even though she wasn't like super religious. She was like, okay, yeah, we we can do that. And I just said, I I need it to be done the way the Savior did it. I need it to be fully immersed, not like the Catholics do it with Mm -hmm. like a sprinkling. And then I said, like, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, like how it says in the Bible.
1: As an eight-year-old, you were, you were yeah. aware of this much to say, yeah, uh, this is how it needs to be yeah. done. and I Okay.
0: Yeah, it's kind of crazy yeah. looking back now as an adult. So she arranged for a non-denominational um, priest or something to come baptize me. And my grandpa ended up um, doing it with me. And, and we did it in um, my grandparents' hot tub. Oh, wow. So it That's was so cool. weird and random, but it was actually really sweet and special. And so my grandpa and I got baptized together, um, just the way that I asked. And it was, it was just really special. And it made me feel like I had done what, you know, I, um, I felt like God wanted me to do. Yeah. And then I started asking um, my mom if I could go to church because she didn't want to go to church. Um, So she arranged for, that. we found a church that has a bus that would go and pick up people that couldn't drive. And so this bus would come and get me, um, and I'm just a young kid, and it would just take me by myself to church Uh and then drop me off. So I'd just go by myself. But it was just something that I always sought out and just really wanted. And so um, looking back now, it's funny that Utah was the state that I chose. And the state that I recommended to my mom to move when she was like, I just feel like we need to be somewhere else. Like, you know, I don't want to be here anymore. Then we show up in Utah, and I start learning about the, the LDS church. And um, at first, when I – so let me back up a little bit. Okay. Um, When I was in New Mexico, I was in the minority. So I didn't look like everyone else, and I got bullied Regularly for just looking different and being different.
1: Just because like Caucasian isn't mm-hmm. was, wasn't right, the, uh, so majority. It, was,
0: it was mostly Hispanic, and and I had really good, awesome, um, Hispanic friends, but mm-hmm. um, besides my close friends, um, like the other girls were just really mean to me. So sure.
1: well, girls at that age, just in general, yeah, pretty terrible to yeah. one another. But then you add in sort of a class or a you know a, yeah. a majority minority interest, right.
0: So when I moved here, I was already feeling um, like I already had issues. You know, like I came <laughs> I came with this feeling of, you know, I don't belong. Mm. I don't know where I fit in. And then, um, so I came here and um, I started learning about the church. And my first experiences with the church were unfortunately not very good. What do you mean? Um, so... Like one of one of the biggest memories that I have was like in middle school because I was in eighth grade when I moved to Utah, which and... is the
1: perfect time by the way to move, yeah. right? Like right eighth in... grade,
0: yeah. it's like the pinnacle. Of awkwardness, yeah, right? Yeah. And like, oh, man.
1: And then let's give you the uphill battle of a yeah. new location. And not just a new location. Because like, I, I moved across town in eighth yeah. grade. Still new school. But you're going from being the minority to being in the majority, kind of. But then finding right. yourself in the minority again.
0: Exactly. So, yeah. I was like, okay, people look like me here. I, I've got a chance, <laughs> you know. And then I start to learn about this community that I wasn't a part of. And... um. I started to feel excluded again. And my family background is um really different than what like the church's family background is is typically. So like my parents used words that other families here probably didn't use, but like at my house they were regular
2: mm-hmm.
0: normal words. Um and so I would say things um and in class I would get like someone that would say something like don't use that word around me.
1: Oh, really? You know, like,
0: how dare you? You know, like, (laughs) just say it so self-righteously and like, you're so bad. And, Mm. you know, it just made me feel like I wasn't good enough. Mm. And um, I started to get these repeated messages like, you know, like, we do this. But you don't, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know how to explain it. I just felt more excluded again.
1: Yeah. I mean, it really is just exclusivity, right? Yeah. This is the in-group. You are not, clearly, because you speak this way or or look this way, or you don't even have the ring if we want to take it that far. Right.
0: Yeah. I didn't have the ring. Yep. And then I would see him like go out in the parking lot from school, uh, go across the parking lot. And then come back from the parking lot. And I'm like, where's everyone going? Mm-hmm. You know, like in the middle of school, mm-hmm. they're going to seminary. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, why don't I have that class? Right. You know, I don't I don't get it. And I think that um, people started to assume that because I wasn't LDS, then I must not be a good Christian yeah. person, you yeah. know? And I started to feel that vibe of like judgment. I don't have a lot of um, exact memories why I got that vibe, but... I started to just feel it like you're, you're not, you're not LDS. You can't, you can't sit with us. <laughs>
1: right, right. right. <laughs> you know? and, 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 you know, were, to, were we to just take a second and ask a question or two, we might find more about you and, and be able yeah. to include you in something like that. But we do this as adults too, yeah. you know, when we go to church and we don't see our neighbor you know, yeah. our next door neighbor at church, we assume that person isn't a member of the church. And, and we take those leaps and then probably yeah. treat them differently. Right. Yep.
0: Yeah. Then I found a couple other girls who weren't LDS and um, they felt excluded too. And mm. so we kind of formed this little bond of like, okay, we're the non-members that's going to bond us. Mm -hmm. And so we started to like hate on the church together. And that was kind of what made my friendship with them, um, were the things that made us different from everybody else.
1: Now, was it as spoken as we're the non-member girls and we hate the church? Or was it just like that happened to be what we all were, but we just stuck together and and sort of isolated ourselves from everyone else?
0: Um, No, we actually vocalized it. So um, I think I was the one that like brought up the ring at first when I was like talking to them about it, I'm like, how come all these other kids have this ring? You know, what does it mean? And um, I said, I think we should change the name instead of like choose the right, we should figure out what the CTR means for us. Mm-hmm. And I think it was like Catholic teenagers rule or something <laughs> like that. Because even, even though none of us like went to Catholic church, all of us had some kind of a tie. Sure. So we were like, okay, yeah, we're, it says it means Catholic teenagers rule.
2: Yeah.
0: And... um. No, we were we were very like outright um vocal about our feelings against the church. Mm. And there was a few self righteous kids that we just didn't like because they were like, Oh, we they think they're so much better than us mm-hmm. and so um, we just didn't like them yeah. together.
1: And, <laughs> and, and not to mention that this is just an all-in-all you know, difficult time, too, because you're yeah. trying to figure out who, you, who are you are in the world anyway, and then exactly. you have this extra layer right. where you feel isolated with that. Yeah, so totally. so, so then when does it start to crack, or are there further instances like that you pushed away even further from the church than this CTR, this Catholic Teenagers Rule yeah. group?
0: Yeah, I would say I, I went down a really bad path, and— Um, My older sister, she's like four and a half years older than me. She, So let's see. So I was like 14, and she was like 18, 19. Mm -hmm. She got into like partying, like drinking and drugs and stuff, and she would invite me to her parties. And so I would go, and I actually got... I got into drinking and like smoking marijuana and stuff like that because you are you're just trying to find your place. Right. You're just trying to find your people and you just kind of experiment and unfortunately that was a prevalent thing in my life, not just from my sister, but like um, my friends and their friends and, and even my my parents, my right. mom and dad, both had backgrounds in that and got into it. So my mom didn't really ever tell us, no, like you can't do that or like give us rules. Mm-hmm. She just kind of just let us be. And so, um, yeah, I, I went down a, a really bad path and, and, um, it's a good thing though, because I, I only dabbled in that for a little while. I would say maybe like a year mm-hmm. that I went down that road and I absolutely hated it. Yeah, I, I hated the way that I felt about myself. I didn't feel, I didn't feel like I didn't feel good about myself. I felt really bad about myself. Mm-hmm. I felt a lot of shame and guilt, and like so, I'd I'd go to a party and like I'd get drunk and have fun or whatever, and then the next morning I'd wake up with this like crushing weight of of guilt mm-hmm. of you know and of shame. Like oh, I'm a I'm such a bad person, and I don't I don't want to feel this anymore, mm-hmm. and I I hated it so bad, but it was so hard to leave because it felt like that was what was my world. Yep, because that was, that, that was yeah. your friends.
1: If you left that, yeah. what would you have? You wouldn't have anything. Mm-hmm. You're, not, oh, yeah, the, it was you're my, not the ring wearer. It was you're my
0: family the... too. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. it wasn't just my friends. It was my family too. And so um, where things started to divide is when um, I tried out for cheer at Hillcrest. And um, that was really the turning point for me because once I made the cheer team, I started to meet girls that were more in line with what felt good to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'd hang out with them and I'd leave and I'd say, okay, that was super fun. Mm -hmm. And I don't have the shame. Mm -hmm. It feels good, Mm -hmm. you know? And, um, so it was hard and I, I had to try to separate myself from my friends and, and start telling them no and start telling my sister no. And, um, it was hard, but I had really good, I made some really strong friends and I would say that I attribute, um a huge part of my conversion to having really good friends and they accepted me where I was. Like they didn't make me feel, they didn't make me feel excluded, Mm -hmm. you know, and they, they loved me the way that I was and for who I was. And even if I didn't do things the same way they did and they didn't, um, they weren't like preachy about it. Like they weren't Mm self-righteous. A lot of times, like they didn't say much of anything. They just lived their life the way that they did. Mm-hmm. And I would ask questions because I'd say, Well, why don't you why don't you drink Coke? Like we're all out like having Coke, why don't you ever drink it?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and, and she'd say, Well, I just don't drink caffeine, you know, or or like um we'd get dressed up for dances mm-hmm. and I'd see one of the girls. Um, always choose a really modest dress, you know, and I would just notice these things. Right, and, right. And it's, um, it's the little things that started to add up that I noticed mm-hmm. and that I was like respecting and then I would ask them about. Hmm. And that's what worked for me was not like having someone like say, well, let me t- talk yeah. to you about Let's the church. Let's sit down and I'd yeah. like to
1: give you this discussion yeah. of sorts yeah. and the formation. Yeah. But that. it was
0: just the fact that they loved me for myself and were still my friend and Hmm. accepted me. And then it just made that shift easier for me to make because I was like, well, I don't have to hang out with the partiers. Mm -hmm. I don't have to like go party with my sister or, or, you know, because I have this other group of friends that, um, I have so much fun with Mm -hmm. without the shame.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, it's fascinating to know, Sort of that timeline and and then to be able to think about how I sort of yeah. saw that you right. know, from afar, to, but to be able to, to witness it. I would be curious, was cheerleading, uh, since that's sort of the impetus of this whole thing, yeah. was it something that you had always wanted to do? Uh, or was it a thing where you felt like, you know, you woke up one day and God was like, ah, we'll get her through cheerleading. Cheerleading, yeah. Nikki, yeah. go for it.
0: No, uh, um, I'm glad you asked that because when um, I was probably like five years old when my mom um, took me to um, a basketball game at New Mexico State University because that's where both my parents graduated from and I was at a basketball game and the the dancers came out like cheerleader/ dancer came out and I was just like oh my gosh who are they what are
1: they <laughs> how do I do
0: that I need to I need that I need to be them and um, I remember like, distinctly standing up the whole rest of the game and mimicking everything they did. Mm. Like I couldn't sit down anymore. I just had to stand up and do what they did. And like that planted a seed, like in that five-year-old little girl's mind of like, I have to be that when I grow up. Mm. I want to be that. And then little by little, it was like, okay, um, Paula Abdul became popular. And so I learned about her and she was a Laker girl. So I was like, okay, I've got to be a Laker girl, you know? (laughs) And then I learned about like the Dallas Cowgirl cheerleaders and um, cowboy cheerleaders, sorry. And so I was like, okay, well, you know, because at the time I lived in Texas, I'm like, well, I'm going to do that. Mm -hmm. So I would say from a very early age, cheerleading was on my radar. Um, Cheer and dance um, were definitely like something i was very very passionate about from an early age
1: cool let's take a break real quick when we yeah. come back i want to pick it up right where we left it off uh that uh you, you were surrounding yourself with some good friends and then talk about the the literal conversion the baptism etc we'll do that coming back in the second block of the cultural hall a busy full summer from best dj in utah go to bestdjinutah.com. why that is me richie t and i would love to be able to play music at your upcoming wedding or maybe you're having a company party, or maybe you're thinking already for the holiday party, whatever it is that's on your schedule, you should get the number one highest rated DJ for the state of Utah. Now I know you're thinking, I don't even live in Utah, Richie. Would you ever do an event in Washington state? Oh, I've already done that before. Would you ever do an event in California? Been there too. How about Louisiana? Uh Uh-huh. Texas? Yes point is, uh, you know, you, you throw shekels my way, I'll come to wherever you're at we could even combine it and make it an episode of the cultural hall mind blown, if you are in need of a DJ at all or someone in your family's get married, would like to be able to talk to me, I would love to be able to talk to them it's bestdjinyutah.com
3: Imagine running a small business today, it's challenging imaging and internet presence is an absolute must, even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com.
1: Here in the second block of The Cultural Hall, I encourage you to go to patreon.com forward slash The Cultural Hall if you are interested in being a Patreon saint. What does that get you? Well, it gets you access to episodes early. Uh, You're able to get them as soon as I get them recorded, make them available. You also get to see the video, no video, available for this interview. We're doing this in person at the Homesteadio. Uh, It also gets you to be a part of the secret but not sacred Facebook group that has been established for all the Patreon Saints. So check it out, patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall. So you have uh, surrounded yourself with good friends. I think that that's notable, but that's not converting to the church. That's saying these folks are different. I really like how I feel with them. But you're, you know, still a teenager. You probably have some parental influence as far as this goes into your life. And uh, you have years of saying, I hate the church. The church is horrible. You know, all you terrible churchy people, and that stigma to fight against. So, so pick it up right there.
0: Okay, um, I would say my parents didn't really have a, a influence as far as like, um, like a a good influence. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I would say my my mom taught me about prayer mm-hmm. and faith, and she was awesome at that. And I am super grateful for her teaching me that because she would always say, "Well, let's pray for them," or "Let's pray about it," you know. And so I got that from my mom. Um, so I take it back; I did get some good things from my mom. Sure. As, as I'm talking through this, um, then my dad, he was, he could, he memorized scriptures, and so he would say, "Well, you know, you know, this scripture says, blah 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 blah," mm-hmm. and he could quote it. And so, um, I always liked to to read the Bible, and so I would read regularly. I just had it in my room, like on my nightstand, and so I would just read on my own, and I would pray a lot. So I read and I prayed. And, um, I prayed that God would tell me if this, if this church was what he wanted for me Mm
2: -hmm.
0: or, or not, you know? And so I started praying like probably in like 10th grade, I started praying about it and just wanted really clear guidance of like, okay, you know, yes, this is it, you know, or no, absolutely not. And it, it didn't really happen that way. And, I was impatient, as, you know, (laughs) teenagers are or humans are.
1: No, what? What? Yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting.
0: (laughs) But um, I would say I had a couple of boyfriends that were LDS, and um, they had a a good impact on me. And um, one in particular went on his mission, and um, when he left on his mission after I went to his farewell, we... um, sat in his car and talked for a long time. And I just asked a lot of the questions that I have had. But um, I was a little too afraid to ask my good friends because I just was worried, you know, like, what would this do to our relationship? Mm -hmm. But where he, he was going on his mission and like, I just felt like the moment was prepared where he was like, okay, let's get vulnerable, you Mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. to talk to me about whatever you've ever wanted to know. And so I, like, asked them all my questions. And what,
1: what kind of questions were they? Were they, like, church church history you know, kind of stuff? Cultural stuff? What?
0: Um, You know, I don't remember, quite honestly. Uh, right now, I don't remember off the top of my head. But probably...
1: I guess pivoting that question then, uh, yeah. were, were there any, like, cultural and or church historical things that you're like, I feel pretty good about this, but I'm not sure yeah. whatever that thing may be?
0: So, um... The Book of Mormon and Joseph Smith were probably the two points where I was just like, okay, these are the things that are really different mm-hmm. than what I've grown up around, you know. Because, like I said, I grew up with an affinity for it naturally, but um, and I had a natural of relationship with with my Heavenly Father, and I felt really comfortable praying to him, and I felt like he loved me, and um, I knew that my Savior, you know, had died for my sins. But the things that made the church different were the things where I was like, okay, but you know, where does this come from? And right. You know, tell me more and help me understand.
1: Right. Right. So, so you're able to visit with him. And probably part of it too, is it's like, listen, if I embarrass myself, this guy's going away yeah, for two years. Exactly. Let's do this. All the questions. yeah Let's So, get...
0: yeah. So, um, some, of, some of the, que- like, it got really late and he was like, Hey, so, you know, um, we're going to have to wrap this up because <laughs> you know how When you get into religion, it's kind of like Pandora's box. You could just like be up all night. Yeah. And like, so he's like, okay, we got to wrap this up, but I got to go on my mission. And (laughs) what, you know, is it okay if I um, send some missionaries over to help you answer some of the questions that I won't be here for, just because I want you to like have more information? And I was like, yeah, sure. And in that moment, I was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And then I kind of forgot about it, to be quite honest with you, um, until they showed up at my door and knocked on my door. And they're like, hey, your friend told us that, you know, you wanted, you had some questions and that you wanted to talk to us. And um, I was like, okay, yeah, like, you know, whatever. Come on in. I mean, Let's, it's not my friend.
1: It's not the yeah. you know, the same relationship with, yeah, with that guy, but yeah. they, they were pretty good missionaries right. as far as that goes.
0: Yeah. So um, one of them was a convert and... Um, I felt like because I knew that he was a convert, I automatically was more open-minded to Mm. anything he had to say. Hmm. Um, He had only been a member like a year and a half. Wow. Um, Like, so he got baptized and then as soon as he could, he went on his mission. And uh, I just thought that was so cool. And so I was like, okay, so you get it. Like you understand where I'm coming from. Mm -hmm. And so um, that gave us like a point of reference. We could connect And, um, but yeah, they were really good missionaries. And that very first discussion, they talked to me about, uh, Joseph Smith and the first vision. And I had always had a curiosity about Joseph Smith because I was like, okay, I don't, I don't understand why the, the members that I know, like, what is their relationship with him? Did, did they worship him? Was he like a prophet? I didn't really know where he fit in. Sure. And. I just knew that a lot of people had talked about him and I had heard good and and bad from some of my mom's um, more vocal Mm ex-members. And so when I heard about him and they kind of read out of the history about Joseph Smith, they talked about him as a 14-year-old boy searching for truth. And I connected to that like so deeply because I felt like that's that was my journey. Like when they talked about all the things that he went through and not knowing which church to join. That's kind of that. That was my experience. Was I wanted to go to church? I just didn't know which one to go to. Mm-hmm. And I had been to multiple churches. I'd I'd grown up going with my grandma to the Catholic church, with with my dad to the Baptist church, with my friends to various non denominational churches, and I just hadn't felt anything that fit. Yeah, and so when they talked to me about joseph going through that exact scenario i was like he's just like me <laughs> you know like i can connect i i get him mm-hmm. and then so that kind of like primed my heart and then when they talked about him going out into the sacred grove to pray about it and then talking about the the first vision and they had that that memorized that moment like i'll never forget it was it was so powerful it just felt like my whole body was just tingling and just kind of on fire, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just had never felt anything like that before in my life. And I was like, I just started bawling. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. And they're like, don't apologize. It's okay. And they just let me cry. And I just sat there and cried because I was just so swept up and overwhelmed with emotion. It just had to come out. And so I cried and I kind of gathered myself and I just was like, I don't even know what just happened. I don't know why I'm crying. I don't know what I'm feeling. Like, I'm sorry. And I was just like, so confused. And then they helped me. Um, They're like, well, you know that you're feeling the spirit. And then they read to me the description of, um, I think it's like Galatians 5, Mm -hmm. the feelings of the spirit. And I was like, that's totally what I'm feeling. I'm totally feeling the spirit. And they helped me recognize like what it was and what it meant. Yeah. And they really drove it home and they were like, you're feeling the spirit because this is true. And the spirit's testifying to you that this is true. And Nikki, now that you know that this is true, like you're going to have to make some commitments. Like, I don't know how they put it, but it was basically like, now that you know that this is true, some things are going to start happening, you Mm -hmm. know, like, Mm -hmm. and they warned me, they were like some things are going to start happening. We're really excited for you, but beware because Satan's watching sure. and he wants to stop you from finding the truth. And so just be aware that um, there will probably be some obstacles that come up. Just don't be surprised. Yeah. And then they um, left a scripture with me. It was Alma 32, Alma chapter 32, um, talking about faith and then the seed. And I had read the Book of Mormon multiple times before from um i i had a couple of friends who gave it to me with their testimonies in it and i tried to read it
2: mm-hmm.
0: and i just couldn't get into it but sure. for some reason it's like i had been primed and i it, and it had taken me time and it had taken people planting multiple seeds along the way for me to be ready and when i read alma chapter 32 i was like this can't be made up like this has to be the word of god and i felt the spirit again and um I was like, okay, dang it. <laughs> what do I do now? Yeah. Like what does this mean? And um I kept meeting with the missionaries and um we set a baptism date. And it it was it was scary and exciting and my friends had absolutely no idea. Hmm. So I didn't tell any of my friends until I invited them to my baptism.
1: Really? Yeah. So. Now, now, was the reason for that because you wanted to make sure that you were doing sort of the decision on your own? Was it because you wanted it to be a surprise? Because I can support that too. Like, let's figure this out because I don't want to tell anyone until I know. Or what was the hesitation?
0: I think I just wanted it to be my own thing. and, And I didn't want anyone to be suspicious that I was doing this just to fit in. Right. Um, As much as my heart wanted to fit in and and belong, I only wanted to make this kind of a commitment if it was something that my whole heart was in and that I believed in 100%. And I wanted it to be because of my own experiences, not because of anything someone in my life did Mm -hmm. or said. And um, I remember when I told Carrie, she was one of my best friend's, she just was, it was like her jaw dropped to the floor. She's like, <laughs> where did this come from? Like, I didn't even know you were taking the discussions. I didn't even know you were like even close. Like, mm-hmm. what the heck? You know? And I'm like, yeah, welcome. Like, here's the invitation of my it's baptism. It's Saturday. You
2: know? <laughs> yeah.
0: See you on Saturday. And so, um, yeah, I, and what was really cool is that I had a huge amount of support. after I came out and told everybody that I, I made the decision to get baptized. Um, it was like a whole chapel full of mm. people, a whole chapel full and of just young, like teenage kids who were just so happy for me. Yeah, and um, I felt like I was joining this family of people who were like-minded, and it felt so good. And I remember like right after um after my bad sorry after my baptism I was sitting around with my friends and there was one of those lulls in the conversation that we always have like that awkward silence mm-hmm. and we all just kind of sat there and I looked up and I realized everyone was looking at me <laughs> and one of my friends said you're glowing hmm. and they all they all just looked at me I don't know why I'm crying sorry they all just looked at me and I could kind of feel it you know and I could just kind of feel like yeah, I feel so clean, and I feel so, like, I don't know, whole, and I'd never felt that way before, and um, it was really nice to to feel that way and to have my peers recognize it and, like, comment on it, and mm-hmm. it was just a really special moment right then that we all just kind of sat there in that silence and just kind of basked in the spirit. Like, how odd is that for, like, a room full of of teenagers to just sit there and be like, Let's just sit here and feel the spirit. Like yeah. it, it feels so good, you know. And then we planned our senior trip. We went to Hawaii. We um so my first time going to the temple was the Hawaii Temple. Wow. With like twenty of my best friends, um, doing baptisms for the dead. Yeah, no big you deal. You know?
1: First first time la, yay, Yeah. it's cool. It's fine. so yeah. um so cool.
0: It was real it was a really special, sweet experience. And my mom was supportive. Um she go. Um, she did. And she, she helped like, um, there was, she had like a luncheon and she mm-hmm. like got plates of food and, and stuff like that to like make it really special after the baptism so we could sit around and eat. And, um, so she was just really sweet and supportive. And I remember when I went in the room, her room to tell her that I had decided to get baptized. I was so scared. Um,
1: S- scared that she'd say no, scared that I she'd just, say you're crazy. What? Yeah. Scared woman.
0: I I thought it was going to be really negative. I thought she was going to like cry and say she was so disappointed in me mm. and why would I ever do this and it's a big mistake because one of my mom's best friends was that like I don't know what you call him like a she used to be a member but she's not a member anymore and she's <laughs> like super anti now yeah so um and she had told me so many things that turned out to be just horrible lies about the church. Mm-hmm. Um, she had told me awful things happened in the temple, and um, just so many, so many awful things about the church. So I was like, okay, my mom's best friend, you know, says all these things. What if my mom feels the same way? Right. So when I went in to tell her, um, I told her, and my mom just her response was, "I have raised you to be an independent thinker and an independent woman." How could I not support you when you're doing exactly what I have raised you to do? And she just was like, I'm so happy for you. I'm glad you found what, what works for you, you know, and what can I do to support you? Cool. Yeah. She was awesome. So
1: what about pops? What about sis?
0: So, um, my dad was, um, not too happy and, not too supportive and he basically said this it's just a phase. You're just doing this to like, you know, fit in with your friends because that's where you live. And mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, maybe that's what you think you'll you'll see yeah. in like twenty years when I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. Um and we had some words, me and my dad, that were it got it got kinda ugly. My sister, she ended up looking into it and was like, well, I wanna learn more about it too. So she ended up meeting with missionaries and and learning about it, and I got to be like a missionary and teach her, and um, that was a really sweet experience. Um, she ended up getting baptized shortly after I did, but she, she it didn't really stick with her. Right. Like she wasn't planted deep; she didn't really get to grow any roots, and she didn't. I think she got baptized and then never even went to church, mm. and eventually had her name removed from the record. So it just didn't stick for her.
1: When you talk about the scenario with your dad, and I wondered if maybe that had been where it's gone. You know, different religions certainly feel differently about yeah. the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Baptists, yeah. uh, not you know, uh, maybe the most strife, if not one of the most strife yeah. between organizations. Right. And and so to know that was there ever a pause for you where, I mean, your family is your family. That's yeah. that's your core. That's your right. that's your foundation. And here's dad saying. You know, no, not only no, but what a huge mistake. And right. then also to where it gets, you know, kind of ugly yeah. and almost a, well, you get a pick, right? We right. hear that narrative quite a bit. Right. You can pick that church or you can pick your family. Go ahead, but you can't have both. Uh, yeah. was, was there ever a hesitation because of that?
0: No, I didn't ever have a hesitation. My, my dad wasn't super involved in my life. He was kind of like a once a year type of a dad. Mm. I'd see him once in a while. So he didn't have a huge influence on my life. And, um, I feel like my parents, I don't know, they were kind of neglectful inadvertently, you know? And so I didn't, I felt like I had more of a relationship with my heavenly father than I did with my earthly parents, Hmm. even before I learned about the church. Like I could, I could pray to heavenly father and tell him more about like what I was going through and feel like he was there for me more than my parents. Hmm. Um, and so I didn't ever have a moment where I was like, oh, sorry, I I guess I should like make my parents happy. It was no, like, this is what my heavenly father wants me to do. And he has more sway in my mind than, than anybody else. Yeah. So, uh, uh,
1: I want to take another break. Let's, let's, uh, let's pick it up there. Okay. Sort of post going to Hawaii and being able to go to the temple, which I wasn't invited on that trip. I'm still, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I've clearly forgotten about the fact that I wasn't invited all these years later. No, we'll come back. We'll pick it up in the third block of the cultural hall.
0: Okay.
3: Hey, this is Dan, the laptop man from PC laptops. Are you experiencing panic attacks, nausea, or diarrhea? Is your computer not turning on? Is it running super slow? Is your internet crawling or is it just randomly crashing? you could be suffering from ICS, Irritable Computer Syndrome. I want you to ask yourself, when was the last time you had your PC cleaned? Over time, Windows, updates, spyware, malware, and dangerous viruses will make your computer run like crap. You need to bring in your laptop or desktop PC, no matter what brand it is, and let me run a 100% free virus scan, malware, and spyware scan on your computer. Don't wait and risk losing everything. Now, why are we doing this for free? Because we want to impress you so much that if you or any of your friends or family need a computer, service, or phone repair, you come to PC Laptops first. Get into any one of our locations right now or check us out at PCLaptops.com. PC Laptops, where computers start at 7 dollars PC Laptops, we love you.
1: Here in the third block of the Cultural Hall, remember that there is that uh, group that you don't have to be a paid member uh, to be a part of. It's the Cultural Hall Back Row. You can find it on Facebook. You have to request to be in it, but we'll let you in. You don't have to pay anything. It's a bunch of people nerding out about various episodes of the Cultural Hall. Uh, So check that out. It's the Cultural Hall Back Row. Now, Nikki, we're going to have, we have like 20-ish minutes and we've got the rest of your life that we have to pack into that time. So- uh, I I would be curious to know, since you have the upbringing that you have sort of shared, you know, dad kind of there once a year, mom there, not there, but but fiercely supportive for you to be independent as you have then found the church, uh, converted to the church and then look to a future. Was it the church that helped you kind of construct who it is, who you are today?
0: Yeah. So, um... I knew I didn't want what I had growing up, where mm. my parents were separated. Um, my parents drank. Um,
1: Which is not a big deal, but I get the yeah. impression that it's more than just like drank. Like, oh, they had a glass of wine. It was something more severe so, than that.
0: Yeah. So they were alcoholics. And so it was pretty, it was pretty severe. Like, um, yeah. It, it, wasn't a great, it wasn't a great childhood. They were good people sure. doing the best they could. But um, it wasn't an ideal situation to to grow up in. So yeah, my mom was there physically, but not like mentally, emotionally. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the things that like, I would need to go to my mom for, she wasn't there for me, you Mm -hmm. know, because she was, was drunk, you know, or um, if I went to her with something that really awful happened to me, and it would trigger her And so she would go off about her and make it about her. Mm -hmm. So, so I didn't really know how to deal with my emotions because I didn't have any outlet. Mm -hmm. So I would pray, I'd write, I'd write in my journal, but sometimes my feelings just got so big that I, I just didn't know, I didn't know what to do, what to do with all this emotion. And I hadn't had any, anything shown to me that was like a positive way of dealing with emotion. All I'd done was like, Let's, let's let's numb this pain, sure. you know, like that's all I had had shown to me. And so, so yeah, I don't remember what your question was.
1: Yeah. Just being able to look at what you have oh, okay. and then being able so, to yeah. gear it towards. So given the idea, you sort of opened up maybe a Pandora's box as yeah. well. The, the idea of numbing out, you know, yeah. sometimes people will, people will, find that in alcohol, they'll find it in drugs, porn, there's some element of, yeah. of numbing out or even just as simple things as like eating or mm-hmm. being on your phone or like no,
0: shopping yeah, yeah. It,
1: so was it was it something like shopping or what what when you knowing that you had these big emotions but now had made a commitment and covenants to not do some of the vices that you had seen you know yeah. shown to you how did how did that demonstrate then in your life
0: um so i so before i joined the church i had started a really bad habit of cutting mm. Um, and I didn't. I had never heard of it. I'd never known anyone else to do it. I'd never seen it. It was just this instinct to hurt myself because I was hurting. Mm-hmm. It, it was like one of the one of the worst things that can happen to you happened to me. And I went to my mom, saying, "This thing happened to me. I need help. I need support." And it, and it triggered her, and and she was drunk, and she wasn't able to be there for me. And so I went in my room, and I just found something sharp and just started hacking at my arm. Mm. and um, it made me feel better and I, I like I know now like because I've I've learned about it, but in the moment I had no idea why I was doing it or you know whatever but um, for some reason, seeing the blood and feeling the actual physical pain made me kind of snap out of it right. emotionally and brought me back to reality and I could just kinda sit there and watch my arm bleed and it just kinda soothed me. It sounds so weird. But um then that just kinda became a habit. And mm-hmm. so I did that all through high school and all my friends would see all my all my cuts on my arms and I don't know what they thought. I have no idea. Well, back in
1: the 90s, it like, wasn't a conversation, right? Yeah, there are so and many things we that we don't would talk about, about now yeah. or be able to recognize now because yeah. we're more aware. And in the 90s, you would have said, oh, I was rollerblading. Yeah. And, you know. Well,
0: especially because I was a cheerleader and in, in the nature of cheerleading, when you put your hands out to like hold a girl's feet, mm-hmm. I'm exposing my forearms, um, the underbelly of my forearms, which is where I would cut. <laughs> and so every single time I would go to practice people would see all these like bloody cuts all over my arm and not say anything. And and I remember kind of feeling a little bit hurt, like my best friends would see it and not say anything. Right. I hadn't done it for attention. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't do it seeking, you know, someone to notice and like it wasn't like a cry for help. It was just my coping mechanism.
2: Sure. But
0: um, the fact that they didn't say anything kind of hurt because I was like, you know, that's kind of weird. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't they say anything? Right. But I'm sure now they just had no idea. Like, what right. the heck? Right. What What do I even say? Yeah. So that um, and then that just kind of stayed with me. So after I I um got baptized into the church and I I had more healthy. Ways of like praying and um, reading my scriptures, it only got me so far because I eventually got diagnosed with depression,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it was really really bad. Um, eventually, I got I got so low, and I I didn't have any help whatsoever. Um, and let me back up one of the times that I got cut, it was so bad. I needed stitches. Yeah. Which is
1: one of the huge dangers of it aside from infection, because most of the time, those things that people use to cut themselves aren't clean, Right. but also because you can be so deep that you need to cut that much deeper to be able to feel. Right.
0: So one of the times I had to go get stitches and the um, hospital staff were like, um, to my mom, she needs, she needs some help and, and. We like we don't want to release her until we know she's gonna get some care. My mom said whatever she had to say, and then as soon as we left, she was like, "We're not doing that," mm. you know. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get any help. I didn't know about. I didn't know medicine was the thing for, like for this, and I I didn't know that there was therapy and like I had no idea. I just knew that I was really hurting. So that first year when I moved away, it got really really ugly. Um, I ended up getting bulimia so i don't know i turned all of my emotions and negativity towards myself and like turned it into like this self-loathing um and i hid it really well um from my friends and my roommates and i could put on this you know air of you know i'm this well put together woman and in secret i was just dying you know um and there was one part one time um my freshman year of college it got so bad that i i actually went and rented a hotel room um, cuz i was i was going to take my life um in this hotel room cuz i didn't want um i didn't want my roommates to find my body sure so i went to this room and i had my razor blades and um i was like ready to go and um i couldn't i couldn't do it it's so hard like like we're we're made to not want to hurt ourselves as right. much as we do. So it was just like this I was in this conundrum of like, I want so badly to die, you know, but I can't do it. It was so hard. Luckily I I made it through. I I called my sister and it was one of the times that she was actually able to be there for me and talk me out of it. And um but yeah, it, it continued to be uh, an issue for me up until three years ago. I was still dealing with this cutting and suicidal ideation. Um my brain just would go there. Anytime mm-hmm. something got really hard, I would just not want to I would just not want to be here anymore. Right. So
1: So then 3 years ago what happened? What was it that was the changing thing?
0: So my suicidal ideation became an obsession. It was like all I could think about like 24/7 was like how can I die? Like <laughs> how can I do this in a way that won't hurt my family? how can I make it look like an accident so that my kids don't know I killed myself? Um, and so like, I would just think about it 24 seven and I finally opened up to my husband and told him, um, what I had been dealing with and what my thoughts were. And, um,
1: I have to ask you, was that a surprise to him or was he like, you know, I kind of, maybe I knew some of this, but not the depth or what was that conversation like?
0: I, I, I think he knew he knew that I had always struggled. Like um he'd been there through panic attacks when I I thought I was dying and I'd say call 911 I'm dying, mm-hmm. you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um or there there had been signs all along the way. He knew that I had mental illness um issues that I just kept trying to keep a hold of because the other part of being in the church is that we want to we want to look good. Like we want to look like we have everything together. So as much as that was an awesome thing for me, it was also really dangerous for me um, because I was like a perfectionist and I I wanted to look and be perfect in every single way possible. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: But I had this tumultuous past that had tainted me and and made my mental health um, troublesome, you know, and I didn't really know how to to get the help that I needed. So anyways... um, one of the one of the times because there's sadly multiple times, my husband um took me to um like a therapy place and just said she wants to kill herself. What do we do? You know? Yeah. yeah. And I remember sitting there thinking, N- there's nothing these people can say or do that's going to change my mind.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like yeah, I'll sit here. I'll I'll talk to them. I'll tell them my story. But as soon as I get home, like it's over. Right. And um like I had just made up my mind. I was done. And and so sorry this is this is a pandora's box. Um <laughs> so long story short through the roads of therapy I ended up finding this place called um the DBT Center of Utah. Mm-hmm. Um a, a funny story my my husband plays um in the orchestra at Temple Square for the Tabernacle Choir and oh, so cool.
2: um
0: he was in between numbers and um was talking to one of the ladies in the choir. He doesn't talk to them very much. But this lady came up and um, was like, hey, how's it going? And he was like, not so good. Yeah. My wife is suicidal. Like, he, And he doesn't usually open up to people like that. And so it was just meant to be that she and he met at this moment. And she said, I run a center that is designed to help people who, who suffer with suicidal ideation. And I can help her. Hmm. Like send her send her over. Let's, let's help her out. And so I went and signed up and, um, it was, it's an intensive program. Um, you do homework assignments. Um, there's accountability, there's group sessions, there's individual sessions, and they basically like rewire your brain Mm -hmm. because you've just gotten into these bad habits that are just so ineffective and they teach you new ways that are healthier, effective ways to help you cope with stress. And, um, after two years, it's like your brain is just rewired and it doesn't go there anymore. Like it it used to, like, um, when, when bad things happen now, it's not my habit anymore to think, you know, the ineffective ways. Um, now I, I just am like, okay, I'm just going to breathe. I'm going to use my skills. I'm going to be mindful right? and all the things that they taught me. Hmm. So they, they saved my life. Wow. Yeah.
1: I would be curious to know, as we've sort of been talking about it, I know when you were talking about the cutting that you sort of, you look at your arm yeah. and you think about, um, you know, these these different parts of your life, your family growing up. Yeah. The, the um, you know, the presence and then the absence of parents and, and siblings and, and friends and all, you know, all that kind yeah. of stuff. Some people sort of ascribe to things like this, that this is just kind of their journey, right? And yeah. especially within like, the mormon faith were like well, you probably before you came down you said I'll take that on yeah. sure you bet that yeah. sounds like the life path for me yeah. but as you've sort of l- lived it and had that that opportunity to to find faith and, and and really just sort of rely more on the faith that you were instilled with as a child like w- what do you think the the takeaway um, for people that would be listening to this story. We don't, we won't have an identical story to right. yours, but yeah. what do you think the takeaway for, for that is from your journey?
0: Well, it's made me a really compassionate person and I can empathize with people on a level that I think other people might not be able to. And I love that at the DBT center, they say that um, our sensitivity is our superpower, hmm. you know, and, they and they, they say Because I used to think, gosh, I'm, I'm just so sensitive, I can barely function. And and they say, like, these are the things that make us great. Like, this is our superpower because mm-hmm. we're able to connect with people on such a, a, a level that most people can't. And um, I'm able to be vulnerable and talk about these things because I've gotten so used to talking about it. It's like desensitized me.
2: Yeah.
0: I don't know. I think I just want to help people, you know. And I think... When we have any sort of experience, it just makes us have compassion for the, the people who are suffering, mm-hmm. you know, and I just want to help other people. I, I went into um, coaching. I, I coach a drill team now, and I went into that thinking some of these girls might have some of the same issues and feelings that I did when I was in high school, mm-hmm. and I was suffering and nobody knew. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody knew.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Like I started, I had, I would have had no idea about any of it.
0: Yeah. Like I didn't, my best friends, I didn't open up to anybody, Mm -hmm. not one person. And so I just want to be a person that they can come to. And I guess the takeaway is just, it makes us, it makes us be there for other people who are suffering, Mm -hmm. you know? And like my, my own children, they suffer with like depression and anxiety periodically um, throughout their lives. And I feel like I I went through these things so that I could be there for them. Mm. And I, I, I've i noticed that my kids often say, you know, we're so grateful for you, mom, because like, you're there for me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you help me like, sometimes my kids will have a panic attack, and they don't know what it is. And I'll just say, okay, lay down. We're gonna, mm-hmm. just going to be present. Tell me five things that you can see.
2: Mm-hmm. Tell me
0: four things that you can smell, three things that you can hear. And I'll just kind of like start using my skills and helping them through it. And it doesn't last very long. And then they come back to their senses and they're like, oh gosh, mom, I don't even know what just happened. And yeah. you know. And I think back to the moments when I was a kid and I didn't have that, and I didn't have that guidance and, and someone to walk me through it and say, you're safe. You're okay. I'm here. And I'm so grateful that I, I went through these hard things so that I can be there for my own kids. And even for my husband, like he's been going through some stuff that is new to him. And, and now I get to be there for him and it it makes a special connection that I wouldn't have otherwise. And I've had really, really sweet experiences with my, with my drill team girls Mm -hmm. because I'm vulnerable and I'm open and I talk about it and I say, you know what, it's okay to say the word suicide. Yeah. It's okay. Like, yeah. It, there's this stigma that we shouldn't talk about these things, but that only makes it worse. Right. So let's talk about it. And we'll just sit there and they'll open up. And it, it's a beautiful thing. Hmm. And and I'll have girls come up to me afterwards and say, I had one girl in particular um, come up to me and say, I always thought I was alone. Hmm. I didn't know another soul existed that knew how I felt. Thank you for voicing this and... Helping me not feel like I'm the only person on the planet that's been suffering in this way. And, and now I, I know I can talk to you about it, mm-hmm. you know. And that was like, okay, it's worth it. It's all yeah. worth it.
1: Yeah. The world is, or your drill team uh, girls are, are better because of you. And, and the world certainly a better place oh. because of you being in it. Thank you. You bet. I appreciate uh, a ton. All of the topics which we've gone into, I know yeah, that sorry. this can't. No, no, Not. no. I, uh, this, uh, like you indicated, there, um, so needed um, for people to talk about. Uh, even one of the things that strikes me the most uh, within your story. Is is your your husband taking you to uh, you know and saying I don't know what do we do with yeah. her you know? Yeah, and and I feel like there has to be an element um, some people will be prepared when these things come yeah hopefully this conversation can be part of the preparation but but for others it it just can be uh, all right this person needs help and I'm here and I don't know what I'm doing yeah and they just need to know that I love them and you know we yeah. can figure this out together it's it's I keep going back to, to where we began this whole thing, and I just am um, astounded at at you as an individual, and to know all of these things that that have occurred, and to know the impact you make not only, you know, to those girls, but to you know to your family, um, and and probably I would guess to some of those same friends that helped bring you into the church. Or I guess we're around as you brought yourself into the church uh, those years ago. It's, it's pretty astounding uh, to be a witness to and be able oh, to learn more you. about. Thank you. Uh, there are three questions that we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall. So I'll ask those of you now. The first question is, is do you have a calling? And if so, what is it?
0: Yeah, I am Young Women's President.
1: Good for you. How do you like that?
0: I love it. Yeah?
1: Yes. I would, I love I would, it. I would bet that just seems like work, but in a church setting, right? In some ways.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're not I, teaching
1: drill team, I guess, to right. all the young women, but.
0: Yeah. No, it it's like, I I this w- if I could aspire to a calling, this would be the one. Mm-hmm. Because I, I just love this age group of young girls because they are so impressionable. And it's such a, a special age where they're laying the blueprint for their lives. And I want to be there to, to kind of help shape and guide them on the right path.
1: Is there any sort of within you know sometimes in an effort to um, to make the world a better place or because of perceptions that we have have you had like as you've engaged with your young women and and people in the ward been like oh that's you know Nikki the the one who tried to kill herself like yeah. you know those awkward right. oversteps that we do yeah. have have there been instances of of people kind of pushing back about how you would work or how would you go right. about something?
2: No,
0: Good. my, my ward and my neighborhood, um, they're so awesome. And they're such like forward thinking, great Christian people. And, um, like my Bishop especially just sees it as a strength Good. and, um, is just like, we need someone like you, yeah. like we need your strength and like, we need your experience to teach because this is exactly what the kids are struggling with right now. Yeah. So
1: Yeah, good. I'm glad to hear yeah. that. I would have, I would have hated. <laughs> to, I'm sure there to are those the people. Say, I'm
0: sure. I'm and 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 I I wonder sometimes, you know, like how they they feel, and I feel it sometimes where I'm like, okay, I'm sure, they're like, oh, she's crazy, right, right. <laughs> she's straight up crazy town, but I think um, my actions um, over time, because we've been there almost seven years, I think that I present a a consistent. Um, I don't know, like testimony and sure. behavior that I think I've um, earned their trust.
1: Sure. Sure. If you could pick a calling for yourself, and maybe you've already answered this, yeah. uh, what calling would you pick?
0: Young Women's President. Okay. Yeah.
1: Uh, the last question, uh, I ask guests to interpret however they would like. But the question is, what is your favorite part of your faith?
0: Um, probably my relationship with my Heavenly Father. I just, I feel like it's something really sweet and special. And I, I didn't have a, an amazing earthly father. Like he's, a, he's an amazing man, not so great of a father.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I still love him. and But I didn't have that. And I feel like I got it in my heavenly father. And um, I just feel like he loves me mm-hmm. unconditionally. And I feel like I just, I don't doubt that, you know, like I, I always feel like I'm special to him. So that's probably my favorite part.
1: Uh, Well, we hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body, that if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week, and that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, we'll be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall.
3: Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat, on the back row, we really gotta go on the Cultural Hall Show.